Hi, I'm Sid. And I'm KP. Welcome to Creepies. Where we sit in a closet, apparently, and talk about creepy history. Well, this is the only studio that we can make do with. It's true, and it is lovely. Do you want to hear do you want to hear something absurd? Of course. Starbucks doesn't open until 530. <laughs> and that's absurd because they should be available all the time. I 24 think, hours. I think Starbucks should be available 24-7. I agree. No exceptions. No exceptions. One time I showed up at a Starbucks at 530 and it was like 532 and no one had come to the window. So I started <gasps> to think that I was wrong or like that Google was wrong and it didn't really open at 530. Mm-hmm. But then someone came to the window and I, trying to be as polite as possible because... I was genuinely thinking that I was being rude for even being there 30 minutes before opening. And I was like, y'all open at 5.30, right? But he thought that I was mad that it was two minutes past 5.30. And it was a very uncomfortable interaction. What did he say? He was just like, no, we don't open till 5.30. Because, no, I guess I said, y'all are opening now, right? And he was like, we don't open till 5.30. And I was like, it is 5.30? And still, I'm just trying to figure out if I'm there at the right time Mm -hmm. or not. Mm -hmm. But he definitely thought that I was being like, tick, tick. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so it's 5.28 a.m. So I think we have to get Starbucks right now because I will not be as lively as possible if I don't have espresso right now. Okay, it's necessary. It's necessary to do. Okay, well, then we will be right back. And we're back. So now we're going to talk about some urban legends. Are you ready? Okay. Okay, so I purposefully did not pick any urban legends about ghosts because I know how you feel about ghosts. Okay. And I wanted to really freak you out. Okay. (laughs) Okay, so this urban legend is called The Babysitter. All right. And so it's about this girl who's babysitting, obviously. Mm -hmm. It's called The Babysitter. Mm -hmm. Um, And the parents go out one night. And they go out kind of late. And um, the babysitter put the children to bed and went back downstairs. And she gets a phone call from someone laughing hysterically. Okay, that alone would terrify me. It would terrify me. And the man says something like, you better check on the children. Uh, Okay, if someone said you better check on the children, would you check on the children? Or would you immediately leave the house and call the police? I I want to say so bad that I would check on the children, mm. <laughs> but I, I'm, we know how skittish I am. Well, and you know, always put the oxygen mask on yourself first. On the plane? Yeah. I just mean like in this scenario, you got to save yourself if you're going to save the children. Okay. That's a really good point. Okay. So she thinks it's a joke though. Okay. So she slams down the phone and turns up the television, which really weird thing to do in this situation. Okay, yeah, because why would you, one, ignore that, and two, why would you make it harder for you to hear an approaching threat? I totally agree with you. So the phone rings again, and it's the same man. Okay. Laughing again? He's not laughing. This time he says, I'm upstairs with the children. You better come up. Okay, this time you definitely leave, right? Because you can't go walk into his trap. That's true. That's true. And without a weapon or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the man calls again, but this time she's on the phone with 911. Okay. And in this version of the urban legend, they were actually able to trace the call. Okay. So the 911 operator says to her, 
Get out of the house. He is on the extension. Oh, oh, the call is coming from inside the house. Yes. I have heard that story before. Yes. So he is inside the house. She sprints outside. And before she gets to the door, a man is sprinting down the stairs with a butcher's <gasps> knife chasing after her. That is terrible. That's mm-hmm. terrifying. I can't imagine someone sprinting at me downstairs. It just sounds so <laughs> creepy. So she makes it outside. The children do not. What do you mean? So he got to the children. Like he killed the children? Yes. I know. That's so terrible. It's so terrible. So this has to do with an unsolved murder case in 1950. So Wait, wait, wait. This is a real story? This is a real story. This urban legend is based on an unsolved murder case. um, The unsolved murder case of Janet Chrisman. Okay. Yeah. So what happened? So reports state that the weather was terrible that night, which makes the scene even scarier. Ooh, very spooky. Ooh, I just want to say that it's really windy and spooky outside. Oh, it is. This morning, and it's still kind of dark outside, so it's very Halloweeny and spooky out there. It is. It really is. So the call took place about around 10.35 p.m. Okay. Some theories are that she knew the attacker, attacker because there, were no, there was no forced entry. Okay. So. Okay. So, like, maybe she just let the person in because she knew them, basically. I see. I see. Um, In another version, she's on the phone with the police and their call gets cut short and she screams, come quick. Oh, gosh. So, in this version, she thinks, they think that she's already seen the man or the man is already in the house and she calls the police, not the police telling her that he's on the extension in the house. Do you know Uh, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, Um. So, this one website claims many detectives suspected the perpetrator knew Janet, and they tried to appear friendly to come inside, obviously. So, they came up with this theory because the porch light was on, as if she knew someone was outside and turned it on when she opened the door. Well, I feel like, what if he just knocked and she opened the door and then he just came in? Yeah, I like, suppose that could happen. It just but feels... they kept they kept like saying something about the porch light being on whenever everyone got there. But wouldn't you turn on the porch light if someone knocked? Yeah. So like I don't know, that just doesn't feel convincing that they knew her. It just feels weird to me because she was in someone else's home. Yeah. So like how was the home left? Like Right. I don't know, if someone knocked on someone else's door, I'd probably answer. Mm-hmm. So, A lot of questions. Yeah. So they had a strong suspect named Robert Mueller, but that fell through after he took a lie detector test. Okay, we know those aren't reliable. Right? We're psychology experts, right? (laughs) I guess. So, like, tell me what you know about a lie detector test. Uh, I mean, nothing psych-wise, just what I've heard from, like, true crime podcasts, but that's that you should, first, you should never take one because they're not reliable. So it can make you look guilty when you aren't, or it can make you look innocent when you're guilty. Yeah, totally. Have you ever seen Oceans 12, 11, and 13? No. Okay, so in one of the scenes, he steps on a tack during the lie detector test. So right, that, I've heard that. So that his heart rate is steady throughout the entire thing, so you can't tell that he's lying. I've heard of that trick. So, yeah, you can fool a lie detector test. Okay, so yeah, we can't trust this. Yeah. So this guy, so... Janet's Janet was the babysitter and the kid's dad's name was Ed okay and so this guy was friends with Ed Robert since high school and wait wait who's Robert 
Robert is the suspect. Oh, okay. He was friends with the dad. Yes. Gotcha. So I don't know what the motive was. It didn't say what the motive was, but just that he went off into the military and like he came back and it said this source said he had evil eyes against women. Okay. So. So probably like a lot of murders, it was slightly sexually motivated or. Yes. Something something like like that. Yeah. Yes. And he died, Robert, he died at age 86, and so did the case of Janet. Because they don't have any other suspects? Exactly. But why wasn't he convicted, or why wasn't he charged? Because he... Oh, the pass the lie detector test. Pass the lie detector test. And that's it, man. I hate that. Yeah. So that's what I found about the case of Janet Christian. Okay, I love that the story is based on a true murder. I mean, I don't love that the murder happened, but... I always just thought that that was like a campfire story. No, it's a, it's based on an unsolved case. Have you ever seen the movie When a Stranger Calls? I think I have, but I got too scared, so I shut it off. It's a great movie. It's a different, a slightly different story than what you told. Mm-hmm. Um, but I used to love that movie as a kid. As a kid? Well, yeah. you were a strange child. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay, so I have another one for you. Okay. Okay, so this one is called the Ridge Home Asylum. So this was considered an insane asylum, which they're not called this anymore. They're mainly called mental rehabilitation centers. Okay. But back then, that's what you called them. So the people who were committed here were meant to stay there forever. So, not really rehabilitation, if you ask me. Was it because they committed, like, really atrocious crimes? Some of them. But you'll see that some of them were completely normal. Okay, so it was just a really bad hospital. Yes, exactly. Gotcha. So it was also a place for people to go with physical disabilities. Okay. So it kind of like, it didn't really have a specialty I couldn't find. It was just like this place that people went that was really terrible. I see. (laughs) So it had about 1,500 patients. And sources say that most of their problems stem from inadequate funding. Which I'm sure is a problem for a lot of different hospitals and places yeah yeah especially in regards to mental health mental health absolutely which yeah so apparently there's a nurse's account from the 1960s oh wait i forgot to say about the other story that was from the 1950s okay (laughs) so we're talking about the 19th century today okay (laughs) um anyway apparently there was a nurse's account in the 1960s and she said that every child was always drugged so even if they came in normal they were always drugged Okay, so unnecessarily drugged. Yes, exactly. That's terrible. Terrible. She also claimed that the children were dropped off there, were sometimes extremely normal, so that was also documented. Um, However, they became socially disabled from being in isolation for so long, so it was, like, really isolating and, like, didn't do, I'm guessing, I'm I'm speculating there were no, like, group activities or things like that. Man, so they were just, like, put in solitary. Yes. For... Mm-hmm. That's terrible. It's terrible and creepy. And it wasn't until 1989 that complaints started to arise about the asylum. And it, it, there was it was not up to code on anything. There was bodily waste everywhere. Ew. Yes. No one cared. Um, now, what type of bodily waste? I'm not so sure. I'll leave that up to the listener's imagination. Ugh. Um, and then it wasn't until 1990 that only severely mentally ill patients were allowed to live there. So I'm guessing they, like, just updated the rules on who was allowed to enter. Yeah, they made it more, like, Regulated, ethical, ethical, yes. But in 1992, it closed forever. 
Why? I think just the inadequate funding. Okay. Um, but this is where the twist and turn okay. comes into play. So according to Reddit, there was a guy who was curious and wanted to explore it, which why would you want to explore it? I'm not really sure. I get that. It's like interesting and creepy. Would you explore it? I don't know that I'd actually be brave enough or willing to like break and enter, but <laughs> I do think it would be cool to get to see it. Okay. He found gurneys with bloodstains all over them throughout the building. Okay. Yeah. He also found multiple different animals found in a different dissection stage. Ew, that's very serial killer-y. Which, why are you doing that in the hospital? Why is that, like, a rehabilitating activity? Were they doing, like, crazy scientific, like, tests? Like, evil scientists? I'm not sure, but that would really add a level of creepiness to this story. <laughs> um, so people were also dissecting animals, and some of their eyes had been replaced with Jolly Ranchers. Why? And what does that even mean? I don't know. That's all I heard from Reddit. That's all I found on Reddit. That's terrible. About this story. And now it's a super target. The end. What? It's a super target? It's a super target. Where at? Somewhere in Colorado. Man. Yeah. I would want to know before shopping at that target. I know. That makes me a little, you know, hesitant to visit Target's now, even though I will undoubtedly continue to go. Right. We love Target. I love Target. They tainted such a happy place. It is such a happy place. You're totally right about that. Oh, and then whenever you told me to not look up candy and um, urban legends, I looked up candy and urban legends and I found this little story that I'd like to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but you don't think you saw my story? No, I don't think I saw your story. Okay, let's hear it. So, this is an urban legend called Candyman. Okay. Okay? <laughs> and there's multiple different Candymans. Okay. And so, there was a film in 1992 called Candyman. Have you ever heard of it? Yes. Okay. Apparently, it's these... the movie with the bees, right? I don't know. I've never seen it. Oh, okay. But apparently, these murderers were entering the cabinets through people's, like, medicine cabinets. Through the mirrors. Through the mirrors. Which is absolutely terrifying to that me. That is terrifying. So, an actual murder happened this way, and the medicine cabinet in this case was connecting the apartments. So, it was, quote, flimsy material. So, I guess it was really easy to dig through, which is just... It's so terrifying. That's so terrifying. But that's all I found because I didn't want to dive too deep into it because I knew you had a story about Candyman. Yeah, when you said Candyman, I like, I don't know if you could tell that I was caught off guard because there's definitely a Candyman <laughs> in my story. And I was like, oh no, did you, did did you I, see my story? But, yeah. but no, we're good. We're good. We're good. Okay. Okay, but wait, that makes me think, have you ever seen those pictures where people like in hotel rooms and stuff, they have... Okay, there was, like, this girl once that entered her hotel room, and there was a girl in there that, like, seemed caught off guard when she entered, and she thought maybe she was, like, the cleaning service. Mm hmm But then she saw, like, all of this, um, like, sheetrock and stuff. Okay. Throughout the room, and they looked behind the mirror for some reason, I guess, because the sheetrock, like, led there. Stop. And they realized that there was a whole other room back behind the mirror, that there was no other way to get into it than through the mirror, and that girl had been, like, living there. <gasps> okay 
so the urban legend that I found is one that's a really popular urban legend. Like, if you Google Halloween urban legends like I did to find my topic, mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be one of the first that pops up. And it's going to pop up, like, every single time. Okay. So it is the idea that people are going to tamper with Halloween candy in some way oh. to harm literally random children. Okay, I've heard about this, and I've seen it on the news. Yeah, I mean, I think in my life I've definitely heard it treated as if this is a very real thing rather than an urban legend, which it is more just an urban legend. I That's so surprising to me because I definitely, like, used to check my candy. Really? That doesn't surprise me. Yeah, I used to check my candy. I don't even think I would eat it always because I'd be so scared. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, everyone has been told don't take candy from strangers, and I think it comes from, like, the same general idea. Like, a stranger is going to do something that will harm you through a piece of food and just harm a random person that way. Right. Yeah. Okay, continue. So the idea came about around the Industrial Revolution because that's when food production, like candy and stuff, went from being made in like local areas by people that you knew and trusted to being made in factories by strangers who were using unknown ingredients and using like strange machines. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. So people just had a general like distrust of food that started, which, yeah, I can totally see why you would feel that way. Doctors started claiming that they were treating children who had been poisoned by candy daily, even though there was no evidence of it. Okay, so just not around Halloween time. This was all the time happening. All the time, yeah. Okay. Children were getting hurt from candy. Okay. And around this time, if a kid was sick and they had happened to eat candy before they got sick, the candy was always blamed. Okay, they should look into other things. Yes, because again, there was no evidence that it was ever the candy that made them sick. And if it was, it was due to like overeating or genuine food poisoning. Do you know what I feel like doctors do sometimes maybe? What? Like whenever someone has a headache and they go to the ER. I just watched a TikTok on this yesterday. And like, they're like, oh, it's anxiety. I feel like anxiety is blamed for a lot of symptoms always. Okay. Have you ever heard about that? No, not at all. Okay, yeah. That was just on my mind after you said that. Yeah. Well, I could I could see anxiety being blamed for a lot of things because it just has, like, general symptoms. It does. It does. Okay, yeah. anyway. Um, okay, so in the 1960s and the 1970s, claims of people tampering with candy became even more, like, popular, and it was happening all the time. Um, and... The idea was really heavily promoted through, like, the media, especially all throughout the 80s. And this was especially fueled by the Chicago Tylenol murders in 1982. Do you know about those? No, I haven't heard about that. So someone put cyanide in Tylenol bottles in the Chicago area and... (gasps) Stop, I'm terrified. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so even though that wasn't, like candy or food just the idea of someone poisoning something that people are going to consume sure and targeting random strangers that's like a big key factor of all this is like it's someone targeting random people and that's what kind of fuels the fear because anyone could end up targeted even if they have no enemies and have never done anything and have no reason to suspect it sure um so a poll in 1985 found that 60% of parents thought that their child might be, like, sabotaged by candy or injured some way. Yeah, so they were, a lot of people were afraid. It was a very real fear going on. 
Um, and there were several reasons that people thought this in the first place. Like, there were a lot of things that happened that kind of bolstered the myth. So first, in 1959, a California dentist named William Shine gave out pills that were actually laxatives, but they were coated in, like, a candy coating. Why on earth would you do that? I have no idea. He handed out 450 pieces of candy-coated laxatives. And he was giving it to children. What a weirdo. I know. He made at least 30 of them sick, but no one was, like, seriously hurt. Um, but he did get charged legally. I hope. I would hope. Yeah. Um, then in 1964, Helen Fell is um, a woman who was living in New York, and she thought that there were some kids who were just too old to be trick-or-treating, essentially. So instead of giving them candy, she gave them inedible things that would hurt them or that were, like, gross like steel wool or dog treats or ant poison. Okay, so a crazy woman is mm-hmm. what you're telling me. Yes, yes. But what do you think is the oldest you should be trick-or-treating? Personally, I think it's 18 to 21. <laughs> 18 to 21. Um, I don't know. I've never really thought about it. I guess, I guess I don't really think there is an age limit depending on like the way that you're going about it. Do you think it has to do with how good your costume is? Yes, Really? No, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I think that, like, if you have a really good costume, you have every right to show it to everyone. Yeah, I get what you mean. I'm trying to think about how I would feel if, like, a 30-year-old knocked on my door and asked for candy. I think I'd just, like, laugh and give them candy. Yeah, I don't think I would, like, not give them anything. Yeah. But perhaps I would not have any candy because I wouldn't be expecting that. Yeah, I've never had candy for trick-or-treaters. I haven't either. Is that terrible of us? Well, no, we live in an apartment. I don't think it's, like, common to get trick-or-treaters. That's true. That's true. I never I never trick-or-treated at apartment complexes. Yeah, and I've, I've lived in apartments for years and I've never... Never encountered a trick-or-treater? Never encountered a trick-or-treater. Well, that's exciting when we have houses. That's kind of an exciting new thing. And yeah. we definitely won't be passing out laxatives, so... Right, that'll be that'll be fun and safe. It'll be fun <laughs> and safe. Okay, keep going. <laughs> Helen didn't actually end up seriously, like, injuring anyone or poisoning anyone, but she did get in trouble for endangering children, and she pled guilty to it. I think that's fair. Yeah, because she absolutely was endangering them. Yeah. There were also some cases that were just misattributed to people tampering with candy. So in 1970, this five-year-old boy named Kevin Tostin from Detroit died after he ate some of his uncle's heroin. Oh my god, that's terrible. I know, it really is terrible. Um, But the family didn't want the uncle to get in trouble, so they tried to hide it by claiming that that, um, Kevin had ingested it through a piece of candy that the drug had been sprinkled on. <gasps> so they were just trying to blame some random stranger. Yeah. Um, then there were a couple of cases where people actually died of natural causes, but it ended up being like attributed through the media and the grapevine and stuff to candy. So in 1978, a two-year-old boy named Patrick, who was from Michigan, died after he was eating some candy, but his death was ruled to be from natural causes. And then the same thing Wait, happened. Wait, how old was he? Two. Why natural? Okay, that doesn't make sense to me, but continue. Well, he probably just had some kind of other condition or yeah, something. Okay. Something else happened. Right. Um, well, in this case, a little girl, she was seven. Her name was Ariel. This is in 1990. And she actually died while she was trick-or-treating in Santa Monica. But her case um, ended up being a, from a heart condition. She had a heart murmur. And they blamed candy. They blamed candy. The police and stuff didn't blame candy, but the media and, like, the gossip 
train okay 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 um and then there was a little girl in vancouver she was four this was in 2001 and she died after eating candy but it was actually of strep throat okay or or the bacteria that causes strep throat streptococcus yes um bacilli or something yeah Okay, I just had a flashback to microbiology. <laughs> I don't know if that is accurate, but it's something like that. I used to get strep throat all the time growing up. Oh, man. and It's so painful. It's so painful. It's so bad. And so I finally got my tonsils out at 19. Wow, that's and it, pretty, that's like old, isn't it? They say it's better to do it young for pain, I think. For pain. It was the most painful surgery I've ever had. How many surgeries have you had? Well, I've two. only had two. So, but still, compare, I wasn't trying to. <laughs> yeah, comparing it to the gallbladder surgery, it was way more painful. It was way more painful, and my tonsils would turn like green. It was so bad. I just had like chronic tonsillitis for so long. Ooh, yeah, sorry, but that's gross. It's so <laughs> gross. It's so gross. Um. So yes. Anyway, I had strep throat all the time, and it was terrible. So, and apparently, it's dangerous. And it was especially dangerous back then because they didn't have the antibiotics. Oh. Like we do now. Oh, I thought you were saying when you were a child. No, like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm so glad you made it. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. I had antibiotics. I had my tonsils taken out when I was four, but it was because I snored. And I remember just getting a lot of ice cream and watching a lot of TV and it being a very pleasant experience. You got them out because you snored? Mm-hmm. That's really interesting to me. I guess it was like interfering with my sleep. I'm sure there was a legitimate medical reason. It wasn't just sure. like, she's snoring. How obnoxious. Make it stop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Shut up, kid. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So, all of those were just natural causes. And it really just turns out that basically no child has ever been poisoned or harmed by eating candy or it's never been reported right that we know of okay same with instances of like pins being put in candy that's what i remember i'm having like a flashback to seeing that on the news like when i was more when i was little yeah well there was something where this guy like put pins in like snickers bars but no one was actually injured okay they were probably just eating it, and then, yeah. like, what is that? Yeah, so it's not really, it just doesn't really happen. Okay. But. But. In 1974, an eight-year-old boy was murdered by ingesting poison candy. Oh, my God. So, Timothy O'Brien was his name, and on Halloween night of 1974, him and his five-year-old sister and their father, whose name was Ronald Clark O'Brien... And the little girl was Elizabeth. And then two children from their neighboring house and then their father all went trick-or-treating. Okay. Um, And it was raining, so they only went to, like, two neighborhoods. So it was a short short little trick-or-treating session. And one of the houses that they went to, no one was home. And everyone walked away. And the father kind of lingered back. And then when he caught up to him, he had five pixie sticks for all the children and one extra the small ones or the thick ones the thick ones oh oh good point it was actually a 22 inch one so it was huge (gasps) i used to love those yeah so it was great pixie sticks were like the best just straight sugar straight sugar we love that so he says that um after they left someone opened the door and handed them handed them the pixie sticks okay so the pixie sticks is what poisoned timothy interesting so later that night timothy goes home with elizabeth and the father and the father says, I'm sorry, I should say his name. Ronald says that they can both eat a piece of candy before they go to bed. Mm-hmm. 
and I don't know what Elizabeth chooses, but Timothy chose a lollipop or a sucker. Before you go on, do you chew lollipops or do you actually suck on them? Uh, I chew them. I do too, but I don't think that that is the popular vote. I think people actually like enjoy them, but I don't take the time to enjoy them. I do think that people tend to enjoy them. That's actually exactly what happened here is... Ronald said to Timothy, you know, that's going to take you too long to eat. And like, mm. you need to get to bed soon. We need to get your teeth brushed. I'm hoping he said that because it was Halloween. They had a bunch of candy. Right. And so he was like, why don't you choose something else? And he offered the pixie stick. And so Timothy went with the pixie stick. Okay. But he didn't eat very much of it because he said it tasted really bitter, mm-hmm. which turned out to be cyanide poisoning. Oh, my God. But Ronald didn't think anything of it and gave Timothy some Kool-Aid to wash it down with. Okay. A few minutes later, Timothy fell violently ill. He, like, said he didn't feel well. He ran to the bathroom and started just, like, violently puking. And Ronald came in and was holding him. And then a few minutes in, Timothy went limp and died in Ronald's (gasps) arms. Okay. I know. It's terrible. So after investigating, the police discovered the cyanide poisoning, and they realized it came from the pixie stick. So they go and they get all the other pixie sticks from the other children. And none of the other children ingested them. But it was really scary because I think it was the neighbor boy who was, oh, I didn't mention that Ronald gave out the spare pixie stick to a boy that they saw from their church while they were trick-or-treating, like a 10-year-old boy. Okay. So that boy, when the parents learned about the pixie stick, they didn't know where it was and they rushed upstairs to find it and he actually was asleep with it in his hand and just wasn't able to get it open and that's what saved his life. Wow. Yeah, so he got really lucky. Wow. All of the children did because it turns out that in each of the pixie sticks, there was enough cyanide to kill anywhere from two to four grown people. That's insane. I know. Yeah. And I don't know why someone would want to hurt all those five (sighs) poor children. I know. There are crazy people out there. So the police ask Ronald where they got the pixie sticks from. And at first he's like, I don't remember, which is a little weird because they only went to two neighborhoods because it was raining like what's wrong with your memory right like why don't you remember right but whatever maybe he really didn't but after walking around the neighborhood for a while he tells the police which house he got it from he's like it was this house no one answered at first and then someone opened the door didn't turn the light on and just stuck out their arm and handed me these pixie sticks creepy yeah and then he just describes the arm as really hairy okay yeah so they look into the house. He's giving too many details. And do you ever, have you ever heard, like, when people give extra details, they're, like, lying? Uh, I think I have heard that. Yeah. Yeah, like, why did you say that the arm was hairy? Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm thinking right now. So they looked into the house, and it was owned by a nam- man named Courtney Melvin. And he was a TSA officer, so, like, an air traffic controller person. And he actually had a shift the night of Halloween. So, like, hundreds of people saw him, so he had a perfect alibi. Okay. So it wasn't him. So they look into it further, and Ronald is acting a little suspicious. Like, he's not as emotional as you would expect. A father to be. Right. Right. Yes, after his eight-year-old son dies. Passed away. Right. When they look into Ronald, it is very suspicious. So it turns out that he took a life insurance policy out on both of his children, (gasps) equaling a total of $60,000. Which is way more than the cost of a funeral and doesn't make sense to take out on the right, child. Right, right. And his wife wasn't aware that he took out the life insurance policy. Okay. Yeah. Are we sure? Well, no, but she claimed she wasn't. Okay. And, I mean, 
I, I believe she probably wasn't. Right. So they also learned that Ronald had asked one of his coworkers, who was really familiar with chemicals, what kind of chemicals would kill someone. And he specifically asked about cyanide and asked how much a person would need to kill someone. Okay, very suspicious. Very suspicious. And they also learned that he went to try to buy some cyanide, and he ended up not buying any because he couldn't buy an amount less than five pounds. But he tried. So things were just not looking great. And the day after Timothy died, Ronald, the, the very next day, called the insurance company about claiming the life insurance. Okay. So it turns out that Ronald did it. He did it just to get out of this $100,000 debt that he was in. He was also facing trouble at work. And, like, he just was not doing well financially with anything stable in his life. Like, he had had 21 jobs in two years. 21? 21. Or, no, maybe it was 21 jobs in 10 years. Either way, 21 jobs is a lot of jobs. That is. That is a lot of jobs. How many jobs would you say you've had in your lifetime? Um... Less than 21. Way less than 21. Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> Way less than 21. So, apparently, because it was raining, Ronald was wearing a raincoat, and he had taken the pixie sticks, with the, he filled the top two inches with cyanide, and then stapled them back close, and he hid them in the sleeve of his jacket, <gasps> and then when no one answered at the house, he used the opportunity to give it to the children. Oh. And he just, I guess, didn't care that he was going to kill potentially five children. Yeah. In fact, he probably hoped that his daughter would have died because he took out a life insurance policy on her too. Right. Yeah. That's horrible. Horrible. So he went to jail, right? Yes. He was convicted and he actually got a death sentence. Okay. And was um, executed by lethal injection in 1984. Really, really interesting, tragic story. Yes. Terrible. Um, But that really fueled the fear of people poisoning candy, even though it wasn't an instance of a stranger doing it. Right. It was the dad. Right. So there are still typically a couple of, like, candy tampering cases a year, Mm -hmm. but people never get injured or die, or if they do, they're really minorly injured. And it's not people just trying to harm strangers. It's, like, people pranking other people by putting objects in them or teenagers doing it for, like, attention and stuff like that. So it's really not a thing. It truly is an urban legend. But there are some stuff that have happened as a result of the urban legend that have actually changed the way people trigger treats. So parents are more likely to go with children now. People don't want homemade treats where that used to be more acceptable. Mm-hmm. Churches have started doing things like trunk or treat where they put cars in the church parking lot and you trick or treat from the cars. Mm-hmm. And it's just supposed to be safer because it's more contained. Right. And now some malls even offer trick or treating. Malls are creepy. Malls are creepy. So <laughs> that's kind of like very appropriate. That's an appropriate scene for Halloween. Yeah. Did you ever hang out at a mall whenever you were younger? Mm, a couple of times, but not really. It was never like a... The well, hangout spot? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so that is the myth of people tampering with candy, which we should not be as afraid of as we typically are. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm so glad we could clear up that misconception with that urban legend. Yes, this was a very fun episode. It very was. informative. It was informative and fun. Okay, I guess we will see everyone on Thursday. On Thursday for a little episode about mummies. Oh, and before we go, if you have any topics that you would like us to cover from history, send those in. You can send it through our Instagram or our Facebook. 
or if you comment on iTunes or Spotify, we'll check those and see that. Even our email, even creepiespod at gmail.com. Is it creepies underscore or just creepiespod? Creepiespod. Perfect. Yeah. So reach us out to us there. And we also wanted to say that if anyone has any creepy stories that they've written, like fiction stories, if they're short, if you send those in, we'd be happy to read those as well. Yep. Give us some more creepy material. Yes. All right. We'll see y'all later. Bye. Bye. Should we? Yes.